Are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast that dives headfirst into the proverbial deep end of the latest trek into the final frontier and more treks to come, including Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Lower Decks, and Star Trek Picard. I'm co-host Chris Clow, and I'm joined by two members of our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, including Rachel Clow. Hello. And the man, the myth, the legend. Mr. Cicero Holmes. I have my wine from the vineyard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, apologies to the devoted debrief listeners out there. I mean, there hasn't really been all that much for us to talk about over the last couple of months, but this is the first time that we've gotten together since we all saw uh, the Deep Space Nine documentary, the wonderful Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind. And this is the first time that we've gotten together since then because, holy cow, we are just now recovering from the torrent of news that came from the San Diego Comic-Con 2019, a huge Hall H presentation with so much new Star Trek to talk about. It feels like this might be a resurgence of a previous era where we actually get to talk about a ton of stuff that's coming down the pike. Really exciting. No pun intended. Really exciting. And to assist us in doing that, as you might have noticed, uh, I did not plug Mr. Zaki Hassan. Unfortunately, he couldn't join us today. But standing in his stead, we do have a terrific Star Trek fan and a Star Trek novelist in his own right, Mr. Dave Gallanter. Dave, thank you for sitting in and for joining us once again. It's a pleasure to be here. Although I, I love Zaki, I just never get to be on the same show with him. We're going to fix that one of these days. We've got uh, to. We, we really do. I mean, we're going to have to have a whole bunch of uh, debrief alumni get together. It's going to be like a four-hour show, but who cares because it'll be fun. We get to all talk about Star Trek like we all like to do. Uh, but before we actually get into San Diego Comic-Con International 2019 news, Dave, you are the subject of some discovery-related news in the form of a novel that's coming out on my birthday. December 17th is your birthday. December 17th is my birthday. Also the Rachel it makes a perfect birthday gift. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> he will have like pre-ordered it for himself. Oh already, yeah. So. I Dave, pre-ordered I'm, it. I'm, He's the worst person to buy gifts for cuz he just buys everything he wants. I'm getting the audiobook, I'm getting the the Kindle version of the book and I'll probably get a physical copy too. You're getting at least 3 purchases out of me. I, I, I keep trying to sign people's Kindle versions, but I I keep getting <laughs> restraining orders. <laughs> <laughs> well, the I mean the cool thing about it, obviously you have experience writing in some of the other worlds of the Star Trek universe, but this is the first time 
that you've gotten to, to dabble into discovery. And we talked uh, a little bit off mic before about your book, and obviously you can't say too much about it, but what can you tell us about your forthcoming discovery novel? Uh, I can tell you that it is a uh, somewhat of a Stamets-focused novel um, right. because it deals with uh, with being stuck in the mycelial network, which they're not supposed to be stuck in the mycelial network. Um, and it's not it's not like we saw on the show where it was half stuck and half not. This is fully in the mycelial network itself. And um, that's a problem. And uh, adding to it is they uh, don't have their mycelial spores to get out of it. And mm-hmm. that's a mystery that they have to solve as well as they find uh, they find a human being there when they arrive. And so there's, so there's some mysteries to, uh, to figure out in the book. And that's why I can't say that much. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I had... Uh, I had a lot of fun reaching into these characters uh, who I, I, I really adore. Um, and also just as somebody who wrote a lot of Star Trek for the original series and Next Gen, and I did a Voyager novel, um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's interesting to use, uh, you know, the language is a bit more modern in Discovery. So mm-hmm. I got to have dialogue that was a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more, more mature I think I got to say, I, I don't want to say the bad words necessarily, uh, but because uh, I don't know if your audience uh, would be partial to that. But there's there's a couple swears in it, and I, I don't think I've ever done that in a Star Trek book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Discovery was the first to do it in the franchise to the extent that it had done it, so that seems appropriate to me. I don't use the F word. <laughs> well, so, friend? Friend. Uh, friend. Well, the friend I actually use quite a lot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, I mean that's that's really exciting news, and congratulations for uh, for both that job and for the fact that you can at least say that it exists now, which is awesome. I can, um, and I hope, by the way, that uh, Anthony Rapp uh, will. Well, I know he'll read it because he's a reader and he's a Star Trek fan. He actually said on Twitter he looks forward to reading it. But God, I hope he likes it because if not, oh. I will be very very sad. I'm I'm sure that he's going to like it quite a bit. And uh, shout out, and, shout out to uh, Albino Kid on Twitter, Anthony yeah. Rap, uh, talented, talented person, uh, and and better human. Yes, yeah. indeed, and a very gracious guy. I mean, I, I I haven't done it much, but I mean, he has actually interacted with some of us here yes. on this panel, and that just shows how involved he is and reflexive he is to seeing what uh what people who love the franchise have to say which is always awesome and he brings Uh, you know his character a lot of i feel a lot of depth i mean i had to study (laughs) the actor for his mannerisms and things like that and he just gives a great performance yeah yes absolutely here here we we absolutely agree with that on this show but uh well i oh and what's what's the uh the title dave Oh, uh, the title is Dead Endless, um, and it's available for pre-order now. Uh, and I, by the way, this is the first time any book of mine will be an audiobook. Oh, awesome. Wow. And it's Robert Petkoff, too, I believe. Who's, yeah, I've heard great things about him. Yes. He, so. he has done two, I think, of the previous Discovery novels. And he's, I mean, he's, done a, he's, he's got a long body of work, but uh, 
he does a really good Shatner when when uh, when Kirk shows up in a story. I have to say. In fact, we've talked about that on this show before. But um, I'm very looking forward to hearing it. Yeah. Oh, hey, absolutely. Oh, well. Very exciting. Congratulations. Uh, I want to turn to my fellow panelists here briefly just to get an idea of what you guys have been up to. Uh, Cicero, it's been a bit. It has been. So in in terms of your Trek interaction, I mean, I'm sure that you saw uh, the news that came out of San Diego, which we'll talk about here shortly. There was news in San Diego? What's going on in San Diego? The the ships, the nuclear vessels? Yeah, something like yeah, the nucle- nuclear vessels that were a little bit further south of uh, of Alameda, I believe. Yes. But <laughs> but uh, what have you been up to, man? It's been a while. Yeah, um, I have been uh, involved in the, the uh, film Do Cinema. Um, yeah, so I've I've been watching lots of movies. It's it's the summertime. Uh, I've been getting involved in in lots of great shows. Uh, not a lot of Star Trek stuff. Cicero. Outside of news, I know, I know, uh, I know that uh, I've been promising everyone that I have been doing. So Zachy, Zachy has famously been doing his broadcast order rewatch of all of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I've been doing um, reverse broadcast order rewatch of Star Trek. Um well, that's bizarre, but okay. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. But uh, yeah, so I, I started. Um, I started with Enterprise, and then and then went to uh, then w- went to Voyager, and now I'm on DS9. And oh, I, I, I thought you meant you watched the last episode, and then oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> because I was gonna. Yes. I was all weird flex, but okay. Right. <laughs> and not only do I watch them in reverse. Uh, I, in reverse order, I watch them in reverse. So, it's, <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So now I'm 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 up to DS9, and I have not uh, really begun DS9 in earnest. Um, but uh, you know, it's summertime, trying to get caught up with with all of the TV. There's a it's kind of the golden age of TV, and there have been some really good movies out recently. So, uh, and and being an adult, so uh, I just haven't had a chance to really catch up the way that I'd want to. But I will uh, uh, redouble my efforts. All right, I like the sound of that. I mean. I'm not going to lean on you too hard. I, I understand you've been a busy guy. You just moved. Yes. And uh, that comes with its own set of difficulties. So understandable, but we will definitely have to uh, – we're going to have to pick your brain at some point about your perspective going through all of DS9. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, I I, I know what you've been up to, but what do you – what the, the listeners don't know. What have you been up to? <laughs> Uh, with regards to Trek. With regards to Trek and other fantasy, potentially, that you've been absorbing. All the fun stuff. What have you been up to? Oh, geez. What have I been up to, Chris? You've been reading a lot? Oh, well, yeah. But nothing. You saw nothing. a terrifying movie. I saw Midsommar. This, this oh, yeah. Movie. I heard that movie was. I. It was <laughs> messed up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I... It's for the same director who did Hereditary. I we watched Hereditary a few months ago. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's so messed up, but I like it. I know you like. Do. I like it. I know you it's, do. It's just really like 
scratching an itch in my brain that like wants to be horrified. So um, I was a, I was a fan. All right. Well, <laughs> I, hey. In, in my way. I'm not sure I would want to watch it again. But Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of understand that. I uh, abstained from going to see Midsummer, but I did read a plot synopsis and I can confirm that it sounds terrifying uh, in, in its own way. So I'm glad that you were having fun with that. And with Trek, you just, it seems like the Picard trailer might have inspired you to dive back into TNG. Yeah, I was watching some TNG. I don't know where I left off in it because all of the episodes on my Netflix are watched. Yeah. So like it doesn't record if I start a rewatch where I left off and said rewatch and I get all confused. We could change so. the strategy. You could use the Blu-rays to keep track if yeah, you want. I don't want to have to get up and change the disc. Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. Right. Fair. <laughs> Understandable. Well, I mean, and, but I'll, I'll just give, give this little tangent before we jump into the discussion. But, uh, I find, especially having tread this ground so well uh, for most of my life, that this is just such a unique situation. In 2002, I, I can't. I don't know about you guys, and please speak to this as far as your perspectives go. But in 2002, I was ready to uh, not ready, but I had accepted that I was saying goodbye to these characters. Sure, you know, so. The fact that that's not the case, and the trailer even says that the journey is far from over. Uh, I'm overwhelmed with excitement for for what this show will be and the fact that we are actually getting another chance, not just to see them again, but to give them a proper send-off. Uh, that, that overwhelms me in a very positive way. But um, it's hard for me to go back into TNG and get ready for Picard by just watching TNG. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, w- I wonder if it does make sense to what you're, you know, based on uh, how you uh, set it up, but I wonder if that's even fair to this series to do so. Obviously, um, you know, and we'll, and we'll get into the minutia of Picard when, when we really talk about it, but, you know, obviously, the show is set up and is built for people who are fans of TNG and fans of those characters. But I wonder if you're doing yourself a disservice if you think that, you know, I I can watch the entire series, I can watch all good things, and then, you know, I watch all good things on Tuesday and you watch Picard and 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 try and feel like Picard happens on Wednesday, you know. Like it, time has passed, things have changed with these characters, and and like you said, like you know, give them a proper send off. I don't know that this series is is built for that. I think that All Good Things was a send off to those characters in that time, um, you know, for that those events. Um, but you know, much in the same way as as you know, as adults, we work at a place. We we you know form bonds, form relationships with with our with our coworkers, uh, and then you leave and you go someplace else. 
that chapter is closed. That chapter is over. And, and, you know, and the send off was the send off. And then maybe every now and then you'll run into these guys at a restaurant or something like that, or you'll, you'll contact people and say, Hey, let's get together and let's have a good time together and reminisce about, you know, whatever, but you know, but it's, it's a new stage in life. It's a new thing that's happening with those same characters. Yeah. I, I understand where, where you come from. What do you think about that, Dave? Do you prepare for watching Picard by absorbing previous adventures or is, is that something that you can't really connect? Yeah, yes and no somewhat. Yeah. And by the way, I would include the movies cause I, I, yes. by the way, yeah. just let me yeah. preface this and say, I, I don't know anything about what the story is about. Um, lies, lies, lies. I really don't. I, I don't. <laughs> and I specifically, even though there are probably people I could ask, and maybe the NDA that I signed for the book would cover me, um, uh, but I wouldn't give away spoilers anyway. I like to. I like to see it as it's happening. I enjoy. I'm a Star Trek fan. I enjoy that. Um, but it seems to me that there's some Borg stuff happening and some Romulan stuff happening, and um, and uh, he's back at Chateau Picard. Um, and so I think his stuff with the Borg, both in the series and in first contact and his stuff about his family in the series and in generations might all play into this in some way. Um, and so I think, I mean, it's, it's a character that we've known for a very long time. So yeah, I will revisit. I mean, I just, uh, my wife, I was amazed had never seen, uh, the family episode that takes place right after the best of both worlds too. And we sat and watched it. And, um, by the way, Patrick Stewart is awesome. Um, and he was awesome in that episode. And, um, uh, it reminded me, uh, how much, uh, I really liked he and his brother who did not like each other, but loved each other. Um, Mm -hmm. which can probably resonate with a lot of families. Um, And I also thought uh, I love uh, Worf's parents, and I really do hope we see Worf at some point, maybe not in this series, but in the next one. I mean, in this season, but in the next one. Um, And uh, and by the way, just about that episode, since I just watched it, the thing with Wesley was really shoehorned in. <laughs> As is everything with Wesley. <laughs> so. Oh, I don't know about that. No, I actually, I actually liked a couple of Wesley episodes, um, like Just especially the, the last one. Um, no, I didn't like the game that much. Oh, really? Although, I, actually, it was. I mean, it was, it was fun. It wasn't bad. I just, I didn't, I didn't love it. But I really enjoyed the episode where he and Picard sort of have the an adventure together. Yeah. Um, um, and Will Wheaton is uh, is is very underrated in that show, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, very well said. Well, Dave, also too, we're we're planning on some kind of an episode where we choose lesser examples of the franchise and try to tell people that's ah, not not so bad. Like that's those are the three words that come up in in this kind of a discussion. So we're. I don't know. We'll have to do that sooner rather than later. I think that'd be fun. But uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the main part of our discussion here. We're going to talk about hopefully everything that came out of the very wide-ranging Hall H panel at this year's Comic-Con International. So the one that I want to start with is uh, Lower Decks, the animated series that will be coming to CBS All Access. And um, 
It's kind of an interesting experiment. I mean, there hasn't been a dedicated animated Star Trek series since the 70s, which is kind of weird to think about. Uh, the, the series presence in animation has not been particularly pronounced. Um, and it's going to be kind of a, a comedy show. I mean, one of the crew members is, is coming over from, from Rick and Morty. Right. And, uh, and that should tell you a little bit about the, I guess, the intent of the show overall. So uh, some members of the panel that came up. So Alex Kurtzman is also a showrunner on it. And uh, Jerry O'Connell is one of the voice actors, as well as uh, Hannah Kane and uh, Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid. And it's, it's, it just sounds like the idea behind the show is, is just fun. So Lower Decks, it sounds like, based on the discussion in the panel, that the dynamic is going to be based around what you might have seen in the American version of The Office. And uh, it's the it, it focuses kind of like the episode of TNG that the title is derived from, or at least that's what I assume. Some lower uh, tier characters, officers that are on board a starship – and the senior officers are on the show too, like the captain and the exo and the chief medical officer. And they think that this is their show, but it's not. And that to me is also just kind of funny, you know. So it's going to be a half-hour animated show, um, focusing on four ensigns, and they're serving. So they're not important characters serving on what they specifically describe as a not important starship. And uh, Mike McMahon. From, and he's the crew member that comes over from Rick and Morty. He says that they will have stories that feel very Starfleet. They're emotional and social stories and they're sci-fi stories. Every Star Trek show has been about a family and our show is also about a family. It's just not going to be the same family that you've seen before. It's got a lot of familiar Star Trek in it and it's important to me that even though we're a comedy, that the comedy doesn't come from punching down on Trek or making fun of tropes. It feels like every episode is a real Star Trek episode. We'll be focusing on people in the ship who are funny and that you'll love. The show takes place in 2380, so it will be right after Nemesis and Voyager is back. So sounds like it's in continuity. Uh, actress Tawny Newsom plays Ensign Mariner. Uh, and then Jack Quaid plays Ensign Boimler. And Mariner, she's she's a badass. She disregards the rules and she's very good at all things Starfleet, but doesn't really care. She's effortlessly good. And uh, Ensign Boimler is the opposite. He's a by the book guy. He really wants to be a captain, but he's not really good at his job, which might complicate things. So this just sounds very fun. Uh, Dave, what's your perspective as we get ready to, uh, you know, to gear up for a show like this? Do you think that the franchise could use something like this that's a bit of a different departure? And how does the show look like it's shaping up for you? I think it completely needs it because um, I think one of the things this new era of television uh, has, which is, you know, become it's streaming based. It's uh, although they do release them every week, there's a lot of people who uh, you know, binge watch them. Um, it's all very dire. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the fate. It's the fate of the galaxy. If you watch, you know, Stranger Things or 
um, or, or Game of Thrones or Star Trek Discovery. There's a lot going on and there's some t- there are laughs, but there's not a lot of time for some a, a majority of lighter moments. And I think Star Trek needs that. And I think one of the things that Star Trek is, is very clearly trying to do is uh, make Star Trek appeal to a lot of different audiences. Um, I think CBS has seen that Star Trek uh, speaks to people um, and they want it on <laughs> all the time. Um, and uh, which is, I mean, that's a good strategy to start your streaming network, quite frankly. Um, although uh, there's a lot, I love the new Twilight Zone series too. Um, so there's more on CBS All Access than just Star Trek, but um, I, I think it needs these lighter moments. And I also, I, I'm hoping that the Nickelodeon series is accessible to, you know, uh, younger people to bring them into it. I think animation can help that, and and uh, comedy can help that, and I'm very excited for both the animated series and for the, some animated track. The two of the, I think it's two of the six short tracks are going to be animated as well. I don't know if they're going to tie in with Lower Decks or mm-hmm. the Nickelodeon show, but I'm excited to see those as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rachel, Lower Decks, how is it shaping up in your mind, and uh, do you think it's something that the franchise could use? I think when I first heard about this concept, I thought it sounded really stupid. Um, so this information kind of um, makes me feel better about it. Um, it seems like they're on the right track and uh, it won't necessarily be bad, but it could it could still, you know, maybe kind of uh, take a take a wrong turn. I guess you never know how the writing's going to be. So, yeah. Um, that's how I feel. And uh, Chris just answered the phone, so I'm going to pass it off to Cicero. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. so the um, I I think if if we're if I'm allowed an old man moment for a second, if we can think about CBS All Access like a mall, um, then. Star Trek are the anchor stores um, and you need as many anchor stores. You need as many uh, pieces of Star Trek to, to gather people in and, and get them to stick around to see the twilight zones and the no activities and, and the other things that, that you have on the service is essentially um, if there's enough Star Trek, that's enough to entice people to to subscribe to the service, and then once they're subscribed to the service, and then they can go and check everything else out and see see that there are, are lots of other uh, really cool shops in in this mall that is CBS All Access to to continue the analogy. Um, but it's a really good way to say it. Oh, thank you. Um, but the you know I I think what's awesome about Lower Decks is give us. And and kind of like exactly what Dave said, you know, TV today has been dire. Um, it has been, uh, it, you know, all, all of the the dramatic, all of the quote unquote good TV that is out there is is very very heavy. Um, you know, even if the subject matter isn't heavy, the acting is very heavy, and you know, and we need something uh, light and airy, and and especially in the, in the Star Trek realm, because everything has always been drama, and and there have been times where 
within within the drama even you know even in discovery within the drama there are, are um uh, times where there's some levity but but we you know i i i want to be able to just sit down and enjoy the the canon the universe without having to feel dour um or or you know you know preparing myself for whatever is going to happen and and i think this is a a a great way to do it uh, i think about um oh man probably 7 8 maybe even 10 years ago um uh who was it it was the two guys from always sunny so charlie day and glenn howerton um pitched a show to one of the cable it may have been fx you know one of the cable providers of this Star Trek like show that takes place in between the big episodes, in between the big moments. Um, so, you know, you're not fighting the Borg, you're not fighting the big bads or whatever it is, but it's like we're, we're just taking a trip or, you know, what's going on. And, and like the, the whole show is about those quote unquote boring moments while, while being on a starship. And I think that this lower decks, like the premise to that was very funny to me because it really gave us as an audience, uh, us as fans of these universes where we really, we, you know, we, we spend a lot of time uh, envisioning ourselves within those universes to, to give us a more full and more rich version of those universes. Um, you need to have these types of moments. And I think that Lower Decks is going to provide us uh, some of that uh, and, and, and with comedy. So I hope the comedy is funny. I hope it's not too derivative. Um, uh, they do say that they're going to stay away from tropes, but, uh, you know, I'm sure there will be tropes in there because that's just kind of how comedy is. Comedy nowadays is very meta. It doesn't have to punch down. But it is kind of- well, and but that's 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 the thing too, right, Cicero? Is because there is some funny stuff about the Star Trek Absolutely. franchise that has persisted over the past fifty years, and I don't think that that's unfair game to explore in, in an animated comedy show. So, no, I, I think that I think that's that's really well taken. I, I was trying uh, to I vamp while you were on the phone, so I appreciate that. Uh, it's uh, it's something else. Oh boy. <laughs> Anywho, but uh, yeah, so I think we're all pretty excited about what Lower Decks uh, represents. Uh, One other thing that I wanted to talk about briefly before we actually get to Discovery, how about those short treks? So the short treks, we we have six more coming and we know that three of them are going to be live action and taking either taking place or involving the crew of the enterprise before captain Kirk took command. Uh, did you guys see the short treks trailer that came out and what did you think of it, Dave? Uh, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it looked very, very fun other than I'm a little concerned about the little girl eating a tiny tribble on a spoon. Um, I'm not sure what that's about, but I'm going to remain open-minded. Um, yep. I, and it's it's basically my own disgust of accidentally, occasionally getting some cat hair in my mouth, which I hate. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure that uh, tribbles are full of protein, 
Um, <laughs> it's but the fur would is a turnoff. Um, I am very excited to see um, uh, uh, Ethan Pike and Anson Mount and uh, Rebecca Mermaid uh, back on that ship. I thought they did a a lovely version of it that basically uh, said. Let's look at these character archetypes. We know a lot about Spock, but he's younger. We don't know much about Pike. What was he like when he wasn't, you know, considering changing jobs? Uh, we don't know much about number one, but she's very efficient. Let's go with that. And mm-hmm. let's take the ship and the bridge and these iconic places that we know and look at the designs that they wanted to do and and pretend that you know they had our technology today to make them what they wanted them to be and um i love everything that they've done with it so i am one of those people who is uh saying give us a pike series oh oh Um, yeah i think i think everybody and i ain't alone (laughs) (laughs) no no far far from it well speaking of eating a tribble when rachel saw that trailer for the first time her reaction to that was bursting into laughter uh, you you, rather- you know, I mentioned that I like to be horrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty I sure that the, the Tribble ep- short track is meant to be all full of laughs. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, Tribbles in general, when they show up, are not played for drama. So, well, what did you think, Rachel, of what you saw from that trailer? Looks, looks cool. I, yeah, I mean, I did feel like there's everything you kind of want to see. We want to see more of the. The Enterprise crew, uh, Tribbles are always welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, something funny is cool. Is yeah. you know always nice. I mean, we were just talking about how you know levity is a welcome change, mm-hmm. um, and so it seems like the Tribble episode is going to be funny. And it seems like Spock and Number One in the uh, Turbo Lift together. Uh, it's going to be kind of a comedic moment so. when he's an ensign. Yeah. So that's an old one. I mean, it's going back a bit. Yeah. Back By the way, further. did you notice when he beamed on board, he had that same, that early Spock that we saw where, you know, he said things like full intensity. <laughs> you, I was just going to say that. Yes. I loved that because it was the, the inflection was perfect and it was way too loud. <laughs> just the like care they're the taking with this stuff. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I really, really appreciated the fact that they threw that detail in there because it always – I mean that if you watch The Cage after having watched TOS or any of the TOS movies, I mean that's the thing or one of the things that will stick out to you. His smile is one of the things that will stick out too. But him screaming – and he also does it in uh, – in is it, it's not where No Man Has Gone Before, but I think he does it once in the Corbomite Maneuver. Uh, because they were still kind of shaking. Yeah, early on it was. I mean, as I like to say online, uh, Star Trek is not a documentary. <laughs> um, it's a TV show, and they were figuring out how they wanted to do stuff. That's why we didn't have. I don't think Starfleet was mentioned for ten or twelve sure. episodes. It was yeah. United Earth yeah, Space exactly. Probe Agency, um, which they ended up holding into Enterprise, which I appreciate. Yes, at the time. and I, that's probably you know the Akutas and. Drexler and and all of those people who pay attention to that stuff and are very good at saying, hey, how can we make this kind of fit? Which is a, a yeah. fun thing to do. Um, and a lot of the authors do it in books. Um, but uh, I, these these folks are paying attention and they're tr- they're not trying to 
duplicate what was done, but they're trying to go with the spirit of what was done. And Ethan, I saw Ethan at shore leave and we actually talked for, I don't know, probably 20 minutes or so. He's great. Um, and, uh, he cares. He absolutely is thrilled to be doing what he's doing and he cares about the character. And that's amazing to see. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's such, you could tell, and we've talked before on this show about the, the obvious care that the people who are the stewards of the franchise right now clearly have for the details of the franchise. And, I know that people can get obsessed about how the there's a radically different production design aesthetic, but putting that stuff aside, okay, they've modernized the aesthetic. You get that out of the way, which I don't think is a bad thing either, by the way, but if you do disregard that and you look at the details of what they're observing as far as just the history of the franchise, it's plainly visible in every production that these people are putting out. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Cicero, did you see that Short Treks trailer? I did not see the Short Treks trailer, but I've got a sense of what's going on based on what you guys are talking about. And I did um, see what what they were talking about regarding uh, the Short Treks. Um, so, man, I'm of two minds, as, as I am often uh, about this. So the first is... Short Treks are awesome. I love them. Um, I th- I think the production value on them is is phenomenal. Uh, given given the amount of time that they they put put into them, um, but the thing that, as I said last season when we had our our Short Treks, um, the thing that I want from the Short Treks is little Easter eggs and little tidbits of information and things that that I can glean as a super fan that someone who uh, just watches the shows would not necessarily get unless they go back and watch those short treks. Um, And in doing a short trek about the enterprise, yes, it gives me more, uh, uh, more of these characters that I got to see from season two and, and literally fell in love with. Um, But it just leaves me wanting more. Uh, and, you know, and, and hopefully, uh, they, you know, they built this set, they, they, they were able to witness the chemistry between their principal actors that were on the enterprise. Um, so hopefully we will see a, uh, a, an enterprise series starring, uh, starring the, the, that crew, um, well, Kurtzman, Kurtzman asked, apparently, one of the audiences at uh, um, San Diego Comic-Con, do you want, you know, an Enterprise Pike show? And uh, the crowd, of course, went wild. And I think Kurtzman said something to the effect of, well, we'll think about it. And so maybe these short treks are testing the waters to see what the reaction is going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe they'll, you know, uh, if we if we love them. Maybe they'll say, hey, you know, this is worth the investment and go to CBS and say, um, you know, we got to hire these. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, uh, man, if if last season wasn't enough, uh, if the if the uh, the the immediate and, you know, I, I don't know if I heard any negative responses to the casting of uh, Peck and Spock and number one 
after they were seen. But, you know, when when the cast was announced, there was some, you know, there was, yeah, there oh, yeah, was some harangue, even up. on this show, about whether or not that was going to work. But once we actually got to see it, and once, uh, you know, even like the stills that we saw, we you know, we saw Spock with the beard, and, you know, people weren't sure about it. But once we got to see those performances, I thought I I think it was all it was all said and done. So uh, and you know so maybe I'm maybe I'm coming around on even my own statement from the beginning of me speaking right now and and saying that <laughs> I I have I have confidence in those guys. I think that uh, um, yes, we will get this short trek that kind of will send us you know send us and send us on a trip down memory lane. Uh, with the Enterprise and and young versions of these characters or younger versions of, of these characters that we got to see last season, um, but uh, you know maybe there will be a payoff when uh, the Enterprise series. I forgot what I called it at the end of the at the end of. Uh, you called it Star Trek. Oh yeah, seventeen oh one. Yes, yeah, Star Trek seventeen oh one. Thank you very much. That is that's a good name. Yes. I like that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So like, uh, so when, so maybe we're just watching these, uh, these short treks until, uh, Star Trek 1701 actually, uh, airs and, uh, you know, maybe next year at SD, SDCC there, they'll be showing us the, the trailers for 1701. Or Star Trek Enterprise (laughs) 2. Electric Boogaloo. As I called it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, well, let's move on to the discussion for the, the whole reason that we all got together in the first place, which is discovery. And comparatively with, um, with the other stuff that was talked about, even compared to, to lower decks, I feel they didn't give us a lot for discovery. And I understand why. I mean, they just started shooting season three. I think they're also saving is- it for Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, yes. Uh, oh yeah. See that? Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense now that you say that, but, uh, so, you know, jumping 930 years into the future is quite a, a shift to the status quo. It's the furthest point in the timeline by far that we'll have seen as far as the prime universe is concerned. Um, when asked about what to expect and how the third season is going to feel compared to the last one, Alex Kurtzman said, I like to lead every conversation about how we create Star Trek with that f- with that we filter it through Gene Roddenberry's vision of optimism, which can never really change because it is the spirit and soul of Trek for all of us. Uh, But he also went on to say that that doesn't mean that that optimism can't be challenged. It can still be present, even if it's challenged and there's going to be things that we recognize and things that we don't recognize. And we get to see uh, actor David, I think it was Ahala as a character named book. Uh, interacting with uh, with Sonequa Martin Green as Michael Burnham. Uh, apparently, they don't land on Terralesium like they planned, uh, and they shot those scenes uh, that we saw some stills for in Iceland. And Kurtzman just kind of said they have they have big problems, <laughs> and Burnham goes through a lot of changes. Bears responsibility for taking Discovery away from their time and from from the Federation effectively. Uh, that's not a lot of information about discovery, but obviously there's a, there's a logical reason to that. But uh, Dave, let me start with you. What do you think of the idea of taking such a leap forward as far as the time is concerned? And how does this kind of fish out of water scenario that it looks like they're building up for season three strike you? Uh, 
I'm I'm very interested in it. I'm curious. Um, I, I I I'm guessing um, that it was the plan from the start, if only because we see time crystals floating by on season one, episode one of the uh, of the opening credits. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think there's been this plan at least uh, that they're going to go from point A to point B to point C. And then of course, every season they break down the exact, uh, way in which they're going to do it. Um, I, I think if you wanted to start with this whole, uh, mycelial network travel and you knew that you couldn't, uh, uh, that you couldn't, uh, uh, have it. <laughs> forever because we know we have you know 150 years of star trek history where they don't have it um mm-hmm. I, I think you had to do something like this and by the same token what you're doing is is you're saying all right we want to show you the federation that you know and then we want to show you how these people react in a completely different situation that's where i think they're going and uh that's that can be very fascinating and it can challenge us it can it can turn it on its side and make it more interesting and make us look at star trek in a different way perhaps um and i'm ready to take the journey with these characters excellent uh cicero what do you think man as as this is shaping up and we didn't get a whole lot of new information uh but still I think you were generally pretty excited about the way that things were left. Oh yeah, man. I was, uh, I was over the moon, man. Um, I was, uh, you know, blasting off into the future. The, the thing that's great about this is, and I think the thing that's brilliant and, and, and actually, you know, Dave is probably right that they're saving, uh, some of, some of, if not all of it for Vegas, um, is I think what's, what's great about this is, Discovery has been established now as a show. It is the, you know, now the flagship Star Trek show, which is kind of funny to say on the heels of, you know, like they, they, they close their, their Hall H presentation with Picard, um, you know, and, and to think that um, the flagship show is not a show featuring Patrick Stewart um, is is a weird thing to say, especially when there is a show with Patrick Stewart um, on on the way. Uh, but I, I think what's brilliant about them positioning and and not necessarily going radio silent, but but being very um, very limited with the information that they're providing about season three is it is so much of the unknown, which has been uh, you know uh, there was unknown knowns and i you know i'm sorry i sound like donald rumsfeld but there were you know there were there was so much unknown within the known uh during the course of the first two mm-hmm. seasons that was causing consternation between this legion of fans that were watching discovery as a new piece of star trek and enjoying that and a group of people who were you know star trek loyalists who were you know who were um filling the role of the not my trek group of people that always seems to come around when there's a new version of trek 
to to you know that that makes its way to the to the small screen and, or a new doctor yeah, right. doctor exactly right exactly right the, the the new the newest trek is always right the the right. bastard and, child and, but, of the franchise you know, but the thing that was around. giving that was giving the, those people fuel was were were all of the uh the the kind of disjointed anachronisms that were happening as a result of where discovery was within the timeline and and you know how those things jived with what we knew to be canon and now the fa- right yeah, and, and now that those things are completely off the board we can we can just watch the show and you know and everyone can come in and say and sit and watch it and enjoy it uh, and they can, they're free now to tell all of these stories. And it was almost like Dave said, you know, all of that stuff was planned. And I didn't even realize the time crystals things. Now I got to go back and watch. Um, but like the fact that they set this foundation of, and, you know, and kind of proved their nerd, their Star Trek nerd cred over and suffer through the, you know, 20, 26 episodes or whatever it was um, over the first two seasons where, where people are like, Oh, well, you know, how do they do this? How do you reconcile that? Do you, these guys don't know Trek. And they kept proving, especially in season two, that they did, you know, they understood the canon. They understood Trek. They love Trek. Uh, you know, now that they've, they've gone ahead and they put down their gauntlet and, and, you know, and nobody has to check their credentials anymore. Now they've, they've got carte blanche to mm-hmm. just kind of go and do whatever the hell they want. And it's okay, and and I'm okay with not knowing what that is. Um, I really enjoy that. Right. The other thing that I enjoy, as from from a selfish uh, position, is how uh, how black everything is right now. Like it, you know, like there are a lot of black folks, a lot of black folks in, in Star Trek without wearing makeup. Um, you know, nobody's got anything on their eyes. Nobody's wearing any kind of goofy makeup. No one's got funny teeth. They're just black folks. Um, I'm enjoying that. I'm here for that. So that's dope. I will say that is it's that was one of my fears um, about uh, the reaction to Pike um, was are people for this? I mean, I'm for the show because he's got great charisma and he was a great captain and I loved the Enterprise and to see Spock again and number one, it's awesome. But are some like, oh, great, a white right. captain again. Uh, it's a little well, bit of a fear because I don't want Michael Burnham to be yeah. minimized. I think this show is about showing her growth toward becoming a captain, which is why I think they left that sort of open at the end, and Saru was like, "Wait a minute, um, we'll we'll discuss that later," because I think, and again, I I don't have any inside information. This is the way I would take it, so I'm sure this is probably not what's going to happen. Um, I think Saru is a little more uncertain of himself now that he's changed, um, and so maybe he's backing off his his goals. That's 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 what I think, but. Oh, so Michael slides into that spot in 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 that sort of absence of Saru not having the the certainty that he used and to. And they all kind of showed their loyalty to her by saying they're going right. to stay with her. Very true. 
That's true. I mean, that's that's a hell of a thing. And I think maybe she's uh, maybe this season will hopefully be about her sort of growing into that role. Um, and, uh, you know, they also sort of left open the fact that they don't have to stay 930 years in the future because the mycelial network travel that they did took them into the future itself. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll become a time ship. This is so open to so many different things. But I, I will say, I don't want Discovery with Picard, and if they do a Pike series eventually, with Discovery becoming sort of uh, uh, the one that started it all, and yet somehow the bastard child. Because I really do think these are, are wonderful characters. Well, whether Michael becomes a captain or not... Uh, her place as the lead th- of the yeah, show is undisputed. Yes. And, and and I think that's important. But kind of to your point about your fear of Pike, uh, Dave, and sister, I want to ask you this. Uh, do you think that the reaction would have been different or similar to another white male captain if it was a new white male captain that was created? Or does the fact that Pike is a legacy character who's brought forward? Uh, I, I, I definitely do think, um, you know, I, I personally never thought about it. And it was only, and I think I didn't think about it because of who the character was. Like, you know, the, they they ended season one showing us the Enterprise and we knew it was Pike's Enterprise. So we knew who Pike was. And and so it was never really a conversation or or, or something that I that I had really thought about um, during the show. And the other thing that this show specifically discovery specifically has done is they have, at least in my estimation and, and, you know, and people of color are not a monolith. um, But, but in, in my own estimation, they have, they have done their, their due diligence. They have, they have, uh, won me over. They made me a believer that they understand how important it is to have people that look like other people um, in positions of prominence throughout the show. The season, the show itself, the series opened with an Asian woman and a black American woman uh, talking to each other, not about, you know, breaking the Beckdale test, you know, or passing the Beckdale test. Um, so, you know, and, and there are so many, uh, people of color, uh, diverse mindsets and, and, you know, lifestyle choices and, and, you know, and everything else. And they, and they normalized all of that in the way that we, that we've come accustomed, become accustomed and, and kind of expect, uh, something, the brainchild of Roddenberry to do, uh, and, and, and it has been, this is what Star absolutely, Trek is supposed absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is and it's been beautiful. And and I think Discovery, you know, every in every series, every iteration of those series uh of, of Star Trek series, the shows and the casting does a better job of doing that. And it has never been represented in a better way than it has been on Discovery. So I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. And if they had brought in a white captain, um, I probably would not would not have thought about it. And 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 again, to Chris's point, part of the reason I wouldn't have thought about it is the undisputed lead on this show is a black woman. 
Um, so, you know, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that's never been up for debate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rachel, we haven't heard from you yet as far as season three of discovery, not a lot of new information, but, uh, I don't know now that you've had time to ruminate a little bit on the way that season two ended and with what we do know of season three, how do you feel going into, into the next season of discovery? Well, I feel the same as I did before. I'm really excited to not have to be held by the chains of the pedantic (laughs) continuity people like you, Chris, (laughs) and sometimes myself. But uh, yeah, I think, yeah, they can literally do whatever they want. So like, I, Mm -hmm. I don't even feel like I can speculate on what they're going to do. I've been sitting here just sort of ruminating about book book why i feel like i've seen a star trek character named book and i was thinking of shepherd book right from firefly right um so that that's interesting yeah, you made that that connection there yeah um, that could be meaningless uh, or it could be an uh, uh an a, i'm sure it is meaningless yeah. <laughs> it is just it's interesting that two separate writers' rooms came up with that name for a character. Well, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. What I kind of want to know is, uh, I, I was expecting to see some sign of craft, but also yeah. when we saw craft in uh, in the short trek that took place, conceivably like a thousand years in the future, around this time, uh, Discovery was deserted. So maybe that's the fate of the ship, and now we know why it looked so generally new. Well, if what? if I may, and I could be wrong about this because I I didn't Please. watch that short trek more than a, a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. Because while writing the book, I was watching. I think I watched every episode of Discovery probably five or six times, um, ah. just to get the mannerisms down and things like that. Um, sure. But I thought the computer said that it had been waiting for a thousand years, mm. which could mean if they stay 930 oh, um, years forward, uh-oh. it could mean it's even longer. That is, yeah. Whoa. Because it didn't yeah. say it was a thousand years from when it was created. It said it had right. been waiting a thousand that's years. That's a really good point. That's a, and that's, I'm guessing that, that the, the, the artificial intelligence from the sphere eventually gains, I mean, sentience of some kind which is why control wanted it um mm-hmm. so uh, I, i'm guessing that's what happens with the ship's computer eventually it becomes this thing that has to hide because it's dangerous oh. to copy or something and oh, it knows no. to keep itself See, hidden I'm, I'm, oh no i'm glad that you brought that oh, whole concept up because what, what, uh, rachel what? be careful of uh, i'm about to fall into pedantic continuity so, um, <laughs> so <laughs> Very, very great point, Dave. Great point. Um, and and you're right. Like the the AI did say that it had been waiting a thousand years. But if control, I thought control was from a thousand years in the future. No, control was the program that uh, that was created yes, by yes. Section Thirty One to find all of these things. And then what was coming out of these wormholes was the, uh, was the future that Burnham's mother found. And that's what she was trying to stop from happening. So 
by by taking the ship where control couldn't get it, that future doesn't happen. So when Burnham, I, I'm assuming, arrives 930 years into the future, the world she finds because she brought the discovery with her is not going to be what her mother was used to. And maybe that's why Terralisium isn't there. I don't know. Is the planet she lands on Terralisium, but Terralisium isn't there anymore? I don't, like I say, I'm, uh, it's a blank slate for me too. And by the way, that's one of the things I noticed about watching the Twilight Zone, because I've watched all of the old Twilight Zones and now we have new ones. And I'm like, right. I don't know what's going to happen. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. an amazing thing to, to watch a Star Trek and say, I have no idea where this is going and they could do anything. Damn, that's exciting. That is. And I'm glad that you brought up the point about the fact that the ship had been waiting a thousand years because honestly, at the end of season two, compared to everyone else on the panel, I was the only one that was a little bit cold or left cold by it because it seems so far removed from everything that we know and everything that I was hoping to see. Uh, that that in and of itself was kind of a disappointment for me. What personally. was and what were you hoping to see? Uh, like uh, we're led to believe, and I think some production personnel even said later on that uh, the authority that Kraft was running from was uh, the bygone remnants of what started as the Federation. And my assumption has been that, well, we're getting into a Star Trek now that is without the Federation. And that's not necessarily a deal breaker or anything, but I like that the Federation exists in the Star Trek universe. And the fact that it is so far removed, particularly from the era that I love being the 23rd century, I reveled in the fact that Discovery took place in the 23rd century because I think that there's still plenty of room to tell new stories in that pocket of the prime timeline. And getting so far away from that, when I watched the season finale, seemed a little disconcerting to me. I feel differently, at least a little bit differently now. First of all, because we know that we have Picard, which takes place connected to uh, the character and continuity that we know. Uh, And also, we know that we have a Section 31 show coming. We have these shorts with the Enterprise that are going to be taking place, potentially an Enterprise show, if these hints... Uh, that are being laid down come to fruition, which I kind of think that they're going to at this point. Uh, But the idea of being so far removed from, I guess, franchise status quo, it's certainly exciting, but it also comes with, well, that's also abandoning a lot of what I like about Star Trek. Yeah, but we we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So you can say if, if they, if they're putting forth the premise that the Federation has become the Vidrash and they're now sort of the bad guys. Although we don't really even know that um, because that's one person's point of view. Um, Well, and based on what you saw too, that could be a thousand years off. That's right. That could be even, even farther off. Um, The the question then is, uh, does Burnham hold herself responsible for playing with time? Um, Because Mm -hmm. now, She's brought this different future where control isn't destroying all life, but what has she wrought? I don't know. And also, I mean, you could look at um, almost any episode of any Star Trek show where things go horribly wrong just for the first two acts 
and say, well, they really messed this up. <laughs> and and yeah. I don't want to I don't want to live in a universe that's like what they just did. Uh, sure. I, I mean, Kirk, uh, uh, in in one of the uh, uh, in one of the episodes, um, well, not it's the, the city on the edge of forever. If he didn't stop McCoy from saving Edith Keeler, right. then Hitler wins World War II and everything is horrible. And I mean, if you're just going to stop at that point and think about that, but I assume, I hope, fingers crossed, they're telling a story here. And if Kurtzman, if it's as Kurtzman says, and he's thinking about, you know, Gene Roddenberry's vision, then the whole point of drama is to have conflict and to have something not be good and to make it good. So if if they're gonna if they're gonna not have a federation, then then maybe this is about somehow finding the federation again. I don't know, but I think there's perhaps a good story to be told there. Yeah, and I'm I'm certainly not discounting the potential for that being the case. Far from it. Uh, I'm I'm gonna watch every episode of Discovery obsessively that follows from this point. I'm just I, there are so many questions about the status quo that I now hope will be at least partially uh, it hinted at at uh, at Trek Vegas. Maybe, hell, maybe it won't even be until next year. But I'm still excited about the show. The first two seasons did their jobs in making me love these characters and wanting to see where they go next. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I guess I just can't see the forest for the trees right now. But there's certainly untold potential to the new status quo that they're setting up. It would be honestly very interesting to me if they, and they say that they're referencing things that have happened before. And in this case, that means the entirety of the franchise. It might be kind of fun to get a scene where Burnham is looking at some artifact of the dominion war and, and trying to examine, well, what maybe happened here 900 years ago? I don't know. As that might be yeah, 800, might be well, kind of 800 so, no, in that sense, 800, yeah. but but the other the other part is is uh, I mean do they go back to uh, the Kelpian homeworld Kaminar and um, and and um, Saru's sister is uh, still, still there see what see what they've right. done there <laughs> well she wouldn't be there but you know who knows yeah the new but the societal dynamic that was left uh, I yeah, mean that would be the, a fascinating the, the, revisit. If they there don't do it, now yeah. I want to write a book about it. <laughs> there you go. And we will read it. Uh, all right. Well, um, I think we've talked enough about Discovery, weirdly enough. But let's move on to arguably the, the biggest newsmaker to come out of San Diego. Uh, the panel and trailer for Star Trek Picard. <laughs> So uh, there were a fair amount of questions about Picard, even though we had a decent idea of um, at least the very basic status quo concerning the time frame. Uh, but we got a whole lot of new information about Star Trek Picard. There was a panel where we got to meet the all the members of the principal cast. They revealed other characters that we have seen in the franchise before that will be making some kind of an appearance uh, in in this series in the first season. And of course we got a phenomenal trailer. Uh, and you know we, we spoke a little bit at the top of the show about 
what this represents just as an extension of characters. Now we could say characters that we've seen before, but I mean, this trailer had an emotional stranglehold on me the first time I watched it. I was amazed at the ideas that they were playing with concerning not just age, which Star Trek has handled before in a really elegant way, but, uh, but even just brushing and advancing even characters that, that we've seen previously. Rachel, Star Trek Picard, the, particularly as it pertains to the trailer, you said repeatedly that Next Generation is probably your favorite show, I can, I, and I can vouch firsthand for the emotional uh, impact that that show and those characters have on you. So how does that all culminate when you see – this trailer. <laughs> Why is Picard so sad? <laughs> <laughs> he just he seems so haunted, uh, and I'm just really curious as to what happened. Uh, I think you told me what you think happens, right? So should I should I say you could? Yeah, I mean, well, it's just so Chris had Chris had speculated to me that he thought that um, when Romulus was destroyed by Nero's shenanigans Mm -hmm. uh, that Picard maybe led some sort of rescue mission that failed um, to try and help people there. Well, Romulus Um, wasn't destroyed by Nero's shenanigans. But it was the shenanigans in which Nero became involved. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't call it. (laughs) I think I was just pedantic. I'm sorry. Perfectly in place. No, no, no. (laughs) Well, Thank you for correcting me because I did not, uh, I did not remember. But um, yeah, so that would, I guess, explain why he's so sad. Uh, I don't know. I just like get a lot of like weight and uh, melancholy from him. Well, um, Kurtzman has said that the the events that kicked off the tel- the Kelvin timeline are going to be involved in this right. show. Yeah, and the trailer. The I think one of the things and. Feel free to chime in, you guys. But one of the things that I found so surprisingly emotionally arresting was when that Romulan woman was talking to him, saying that you may have forgotten who you are, but we never have. I'm paraphrasing. But that implies to me that whatever is left of the Romulan people in an organized capacity revere Picard. The first trailer hinted at the fact that he was in charge of the greatest rescue armada in history. And uh, which also made me feel happy because if that is what I believe it to be in Romulus, there's just such a Federation thing to do, you know? Oh no. Our, one of our most implacable enemies planets was destroyed. Who cares? Let's try and help them. You know, that's one of the things that I love about the Federation. It sounds like Picard and it sounds like, like the institution. Um, But then you have everything else that we saw. So not only did Jonathan Del Arco join the panel, who played Hugh in three episodes of The Next Generation, but you also have the revelation that Jerry Ryan is revising is reprising her role as Seven of Nine from Voyager. And there's Brent Spiner in full data regalia in, in the trailer, something I honestly believed I would never see again. Which is another point of like sort of melancholy for that I got from it is that he seems very like reflective on data giving his, his life for him. Mm-hmm. And then 
he's there, but you had suggested that you think maybe that's it might be in a, his head, in his head, or a dream, or some sort or a of holodeck, something like that. Holodeck, so, yes, yeah. We is have Data Tyler Durden? Yeah. We're in the twenty fourth century, <laughs> the very <Yeah>. end of it. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I think it's. I think it's possible. I mean, it doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he occupied that kind of a position in Jean Luc Picard's head, especially having sacrificed himself for him. Uh, which automatically, sure. I'm telling you guys, it elevates Nemesis a little bit. Is it's an? I mean, sure, it's the last <laughs> time we saw them, so that makes it kind of important, just as a point of comparison. But it's all there. But all of these things just collate in, in, in and funnel into an extension of the franchise that looks like. I mean, yeah, I, I, I am pretty sure that it's going to bring aboard at least some people who had completely written off discovery, but also it looks like it's trying to bring the emotional weight that every embedded Star Trek fan would expect the return of Jean-Luc Picard. to bring. Well, if Patrick Uh, Stewart's coming back, he doesn't want to do a boring show. He doesn't want to have nothing to, to act. Um, and he's apparently, oh, sure. you know, involved, you know, as an executive producer, and he wants to say, "Hey, look, uh, you know, this needs to be something media. It needs to have weight. It needs to have importance." And uh, by the way, I just want to say about uh, Jerry Ryan being in the cast. I'm so glad to yeah. see her out of that <laughs> stupid outfit and in normal clothes and speaking normally. And just like yeah, her diction has improved a lot. In well, years. she's just more comfortably being who she was and not part of the collective. And she's like, mm-hmm. "Why the hell are you here?" And I, I kind of yeah. love that. And by the way, it's hey, just a little bit Jane. Wh- where's Chakotay? A little bit. Her, her, her love Chakotay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is, is Robert Beltran uh, wanting to make it? But, you know, I don't think they want to do this. Yes, I don't think they yes. want to bring in every Star Trek character from 20 years ago and, and thank God right. that they don't. Um, yeah. Because yeah. then that then it's shoehorning. Well, we, we, but I can totally see Riker got, and Troy being in it. We've talked in the past, Dave, about how the the romance between Chakotay and Seven seemed <laughs> a little... Uh, half yeah the, the trip to power uh, yes. one was definitely more developed yes. in comparison which is saying something i think well i, mean, I think that's i think probably yeah. it's what they were going for um and, sure. and with trip and DePaul, they 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 made it work somewhat better yeah i, I well so yeah. chris i just yeah, want to agreed. say something well um, uh kind of oh, okay all right well look at that i was gonna go to x i wanted to know your reaction to the trailer and uh, i mean especially having watched voyager yeah recently so and well seeing uh, first the first thing i want to hit is on, is something that you kind of said as a throw, throwaway line which is that uh data being included um possibly brings more weight to nemesis and you know i want to i'm going to cross pop culture streams for a second and talk about uh avengers endgame which uh, to uh, debrief listeners, I know we promised to to do one, but we just couldn't make it make it happen. Uh, a recap of Endgame, um, but one of the one of the triumphs of Endgame, which of of which there were many, I think, was how much they made 
uh, Thor the Dark World matter with with within their own story. Um, sure. You know the 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 events of Thor the Dark World were were uh, revisited and and kind of um, brought back to the fore for you know lots of you know longtime fans of the Marvel series um, and and it made those events matter more. They they had more weight. They resonated more with this with the Marvel fan, and I think that was one of the the movies. Uh, across the that ten years of of Marvel movies, Marvel films that was often overlooked and disregarded, and said you know it could be skipped to blah 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 blah, and and in much the same way, Nemesis is treated that way within the Star Trek cinematic universe, uh, and and you know it's the one you can skip. It's you know don't even watch it. You know whatever whatever the whatever the case may be, uh, and and if they can. Sure. Allow, you know, if they can through through story elements in this show make that matter more, then then that's important. You know, like that that in and of itself is a success in in at least in my opinion. Um so yeah, so yeah, so I'm definitely all for something like that happening. Uh as far as the trailer, the trailer was dope. It was, you know, it was it was awesome. Again, it, it, I mean, here's the thing, like if you've if you're of a certain age, you know, if you're younger than my folks, but you know, around my age and younger, then the Star Trek that you you know you knew uh, TN, you know, you knew uh, the TOS, but you grew up and you watched the first fresh new Star Trek you saw was TNG, and so they you know just inherently have a special place in your heart. And then that cast was so great. And then of course, the person that you look to for leadership, for guidance, for, uh, for, for culture, for, you know, like your moral compass was Jean-Luc Picard. And, and to be able to see him again on screen, uh, not just Patrick Stewart, because Patrick Stewart is awesome, you know, full stop. But but John Luke Picard is is something else. He is something different, and and being able to to see that character again, and and uh, you know catch up with his adventures and catch up with the things that he's doing um, is is important. I think is is very important for a Star Trek fan, and is something that would you know just inherently is excites me as a Star Trek fan. Um, but then. To know that, you know, of course, the hope when once we heard that uh, there was going to be a Picard series, the hope, of course, was that some of his friends, some of the people that served under him, uh, some of the other characters that we knew and love over the course of seven years um, would be would be back, would return and do some guest spots, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, when we got that confirmed, the one that was weird for me was Jerry Ryan and and and, you know, like. How they're able to incorporate <laughs> that into uh, into the show? Well, if they're doing something with the Borg, right, that would be sort of a no-brainer. Right. And if the guy who's reprising use role, yeah. I mean that that totally fits now. Had they just announced it before, right. I agree with you. But they announced it. Jonathan right Del Arco. I don't think. Right. <laughs> I don't think Jonathan Del Arco is aged in twenty five. Yeah, he years. actually he still is looks. a Borg. <laughs> He's actually a board. They actually well, he was yeah. he was a kid back then, wasn't he? So wasn't he like eighteen back yeah, then? Yeah, he was. So you know, forties exactly. or something. So 
he doesn't look it. That's all I'm saying. He looks he, he he's in real good shape. For the, the the years have been kind to him, and I'm sure that he's been doing a lot of hard work himself to make that happen. But this, so well, Cicero, say more about that, like the the return of Seven of Nine, uh, and the, I mean, I think it's awesome that not only Seven of Nine in the show, right. but Hugh is, and potentially they'll be together in it. Yeah, which absolutely, is a cool idea, absolutely, just from a fanboy crossover perspective. But right, especially coming off of a watch of Voyager. Of course, of course. You, and, you know, and, and you gravitated you know, she, towards seven. She occupied that data role um, on on uh, on Voyager, and 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 her growth over the course of of the series, from you know from when she came in 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 season three or you know whenever it was to the end of that show, um, was 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 humongous. So, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, she's just a great character. And, and like Dave said, it's, it's, it's one thing when you're 20 something, when, you know, when I first, when I first saw the series and, and it was the, you know, the late nineties, early aughts, uh, late nineties, really. Um, when, the, when the series, when the series was on, um, mid late nineties and like, oh, there's a hot chick on on uh you know hot chick on Star Trek uh like that was the thing <laughs> that was the hook and you know now as an adult where I'm you know I'm not sitting there raging with hormones anymore and and that's not the reason that I'm watching the show it's not the reason that I'm tuning in and I actually get to watch the stories and see that there's stuff there uh you really get to appreciate the growth and and the 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 full arc of of Seven's character, except for when they decided to shoot her in into this other goofy relationship, they kept trying to you know ship her throughout the course of the series. But um, to see what happens next is is awesome, and and you know, and like you you when you're watching these series, I think uh, especially if you've lived with them. Uh, it's different when you binge them, right? Like when you binge them, they're important, you know, and, 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 and they do resonate with you and you do have an emotional connection to them. But when you watch the show, when the show was airing, there's something different about that because they, it is living with you and you are aging with the show. So like seven seasons is seven years and that's seven years of your life. That is two, almost two full presidential terms. Um, so, you know, as you're watching this show and you're, you know, you're living mm-hmm. with these characters, when those show, when the show goes off, you do sit and you wonder, man, what happens next? And sometimes you, you know, you'll, you'll daydream and, and create headcanon and fanfic about what happens with these characters, but to get to see where they are and where people that have been trusted with the reins to uh, continue writing about these characters, take those characters um, and, and, you know, mash them up in the way that, that they're going to be mashed up in this Picard series. Uh, it's, it's awesome to be able to see how they, how that's realized. So I'm, I'm very, very excited about this. Very well said. Well, Dave, uh, you're going to be our closing perspective <laughs> for this show. Wait, hey, uh, so, <laughs> so, so lay it on me. When you saw that trailer 
and uh, and the other information that came out of the panel, including the fact that we're going to be able to see uh, Will Riker and Deanna Troy again, uh, coupled with everything that we we got to glimpse. What went through your head? What was your reaction to seeing all of these things, especially knowing that this show is Am is I allowed coming? to swear? Please I, do whatever you want. I literally said out loud, holy shit. Um, and not <laughs> in a bad way, uh, in a very positive, sure. positive way. Um, and I, I think I had a, a couple holy shit moments when I saw uh, Seven. Um, and um, by the way, <laughs> this is so silly. But when I saw Romulans that didn't right. have the stupid ridge foreheads, um, because I really always dislike that. Um, and at the time, you know, the ruffles have ridges thing. I used to say back in the 90s, Romulans have ridges. But, uh, because it just, it made no sense since we, which by the way, in, in, in retrospect, that was such a fan sort of a, you know, uh, like it right. never bothered me that Klingons all of a sudden had ridges, but I think because they were related to Vulcans and always a little like, well, what happened here? Uh, <laughs> um, and I think that it resonated, especially as uh, my, my dad passed away last oh, year. Wow. Uh, he was uh, 88 years old and um, he, uh, he talked not last year, but, in years previous about more of his life being behind him than ahead of him and regrets that he had and things like that. And I, I think it's interesting to see, uh, you know, a Picard that's older and is clearly looking back and having regrets and gosh, I hope they mirror that line where uh, uh, he sort of has to relearn that you can do everything right you can make no mistakes, and, and still it doesn't turn out right. I know I'm murdering the line, but I'm paraphrasing it. Um, you, you can you still can lose, even if you do everything right. Um, and uh, and I'm just excited to see this journey, because I think they're going to make it a journey. And clearly, they're also going to leave it open. Obviously, they want to do at least three seasons. And uh, I, I'm I'm ready to binge watch all of them, uh, you know, over a CBS weekend. would like you to watch them over the course yeah. of three <laughs> years, Dave. Very well. <laughs> okay, well, I, I I am a CBS oh, nice. All Access Smart. subscriber yearly. Smart, smart. Um, and do the no hey. ads. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. I, I find uh, actually much more to watch than, than Star Trek. In fact, I was just watching MacGyver today because uh, I felt like watching hey. MacGyver. So uh, I am, uh, despite, I guess, uh, tangentially, occasionally working for CBS, sort of, um, having nothing to do with that, it's one of the services I would have no matter what. So they have me hooked. Rachel has been hooked Love by Island, CBS yes. All Access show recently. <laughs> Love Island, baby. <laughs> yes, it is. Highest <laughs> <laughs> quality show. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a side effect um, of, of the fact so, that we love What is Love Island? Oh, yeah. So it's um, – So uh, if what is Love uh, Island? The Bachelor were, met Survivor, um, but – Met Big Brother, met Instagram. Met Big Brother? Like all of them rolled together. 
<laughs> I mean, they basically take like low-level Instagram influencers and make them all live in a house together with like no internet or TV or any distractions, and they have to like form couples. And then, like, if you don't get like put in a couple, you have to leave. Oh. And but then they're always like adding more people, and they make them play game like really gross, weird <laughs> games. Yes. It's adding they to our. To wear, they have to wear swimwear all the time. <laughs> oh, I would not. Be it's honest. adding to our cultural richness. You know what? You know? I watch uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, and and right. I watch Ninety Day Fiance. Well, so oh. who am I to talk to people about what they watch? <laughs> Apparently, Love Island is not TV doing like. well in the, in the states, but it is a huge hit in Britain. That's where we got ours. Uh, that's where we got the, uh, the 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 idea from, and and uh, yeah, Love Island UK idea, is in yeah, like right. its fourth season, and it is a summer phenomenon. Well, yeah. let's hope that ah, uh, like that, that these Star Trek shows are going to be their own phenomenon by the time they're they're up for renewal. Well, um, I think that's pretty much going to cover it. There, there was also some additional information shared on the Picard panel itself, but we're going to be talking more about these shows and what's what's still coming and any news that'll trickle in between now and when. Picard actually makes its first bow in early 2020. And perhaps more will come out in Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And then we're, we're going to have to get together to talk about the things that come out in Vegas. Uh, you know, that show is that expensive. Show? We just, we, <laughs> Rachel See, and we I both really want to go to that show expensive. at some point. But. Yeah. Yes. Is, yeah. Yes. I, I, I got to go at least once, though. Like, it'll, it'll have to happen. But, um, well, in any event... Dave, thanks again for for stopping by and and uh, and sitting in our chair one, once more. We really, as appreciate always, it. a pleasure being here. I just yeah. wish the chair rolled around <laughs> more, but this carpeting is too thick. <laughs> well, uh, Dave, where where can people find you if they're looking for your work or what? Uh, you have well, to they say? can certainly you know look up Dave Gallanter on Amazon, but I'm at Dave Gallanter on Twitter. You can probably find me on Facebook and sometimes I loiter 7-Elevens. <laughs> and Star Trek Dead Endless available, or Star Trek Discovery Dead Endless available for pre-order right now, coming out on December yes, the 17th. Indeed. All righty. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, everyone, sorry for the delay in recording, but we really wanted to get together once we had something to talk about. And uh, and I think we I think we accomplished that. It's pretty, pretty exciting seeing what's uh, what's coming down the pike. But anyway, that is going to do it for episode number 43 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. And if you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show on iTunes or Facebook. It only takes a minute, and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief, where you can also find all of our individual Twitter handles. And feel free to send us questions through Twitter, our Facebook like page, or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes and join us as we convene next time to discuss the latest news in the franchise that we all love. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. 